Welcome to episode 129 of the Black and Fashion Podcast. This is our first recording of 2023, so this is going to be a special one for you guys. Um, I hope everyone had a happy new year and, of course, happy holidays. Um, this new season, um, we definitely are going to make sure that we spot in and make sure that we highlight black fashion professionals um, a little bit more often. We're also going to do this new thing that I would like to call the Black and Fashion News, where we kind of talk about a little bit about current events or talk about different industry events that are coming coming and that are in the near future so that we are keeping all of our black and fashion community in the know. So today I am joined with Tiffany. Hi Tiffany. Hi. Thanks for joining us. So I'm going to give you guys a little background about Tiffany. So she, uh, let me go up a little bit. Okay. So Multi-awarded Shafani, well, she first of all, she owns Shafani Brands. Now, multi-awarded Shafani Brands Unlimited is a first-of-its-kind luxury creative brand specializing in the curation of design established with a mission to uplift, impact, and inspire through the arts. Launched in 2009, Shafani uh, develops or partners with brands and organizations to scale artistic endeavors, offering a fresh perspective and a hybrid of innovative design, quality production and marketing services include art and creative direction film and product design fashion design wardrobe styling and tailoring image consulting and multimedia branding and social strategies some notable publications featuring the shafani touch include complex hype beast los angeles times thank you so much tiffany for joining us today thank you for having me yeah so so shafani is the shit <laughs> <laughs> Is what I'm like that's what that's what I'm getting from this, okay? Oh wow, proverbially, um, yeah. I'd say. Um, I mean, we all have to have some type of confidence. So mm-hmm. I actually wrote my own bio. Mm-hmm. Um, as you should, everybody. Yeah. I, I'm like, know. as you should. <laughs> so I'm the I'm the person that knows best. So um, I mean. I'm just the vessel, really. But. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. I always like to do, before I start any interview, a little icebreaker. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play a little game called This or That. Mm-hmm. I feel like I know some of the answers to these questions, too, just like from your get-up. Oh, bang. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so let's go with, let me start with something deep. Not even deep, but a funny one. Side mm-hmm. boob or under boob? Um, can I drink? <laughs> I don't know. Um... <laughs> um I'm, I like a little of both. Which one? Which one? But you um, the way my boobs are, I think a uh, side boob. Side boob. Okay. <laughs> Where's your mule? Um, mule. I prefer I prefer a mule over over a wedge. Gotcha. Right flare leg. Right. Yeah. <laughs> flare leg or skinny leg? Um, flare. All right. Fedora or beret? Um, both. Drink. I'm like, it's one. I started out as a kid in, in berets. Gotcha. And studs or hoops? Um, studs. Studs. Okay, cool. All right, so we have what we start off with of is um, it's a muse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want you to tell me, and we used to do this like at the end of our episodes, but I like to start it in the beginning because I want to figure out where your inspiration comes from and then learn a little bit about your background. Mm-hmm. So if you want to start with just telling us what, how, what is your muse? 
what is my muse? Yeah, so, so the way I explain it is like whether it's an affirmation, a quote, somebody that, you know, you know, have been inspiration in your life, a book that you've read, any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, to whom much is given, much is required and expected. Um, okay. Yeah, that one. That's the one. Um, that God's my favorite artist, so, you know, the creator is the ultimate muse. I like that. So tell me a little bit about your background, where you're from, and when you caught that fashion bug. Hmm. I caught the fashion bug um, straight out the womb. Um, I think that, you know, it's generationally, it's we are a stylish people, mm-hmm. period. And then in my family, we just caught like a, get a little taste extra, you know, so we're the extra camp, mm-hmm. <laughs> extra tribe. Um, so it's just been something that trickled down and my mother never was one to impose um what she wanted me to wear it was more like what I want to wear so I would pair boys clothes with girls clothes right Mm -hmm. um and be kind of intersectional with that and she didn't care Mm -hmm. I like that okay so tell me a little bit about like what your background is as far as like education goes. Were you self-taught? Did you go to school? Did you think school is even necessary to be in the fashion world? Um, <clears throat> well, I think education is necessary to be um, in any industry. Um, you just can't jump into things. You have to uh, either be an autodidact and be self-taught or, you know, um, go to school and get a formal education. Um, but there are options. You just need to be able to retain education. And as for me, um, I'm an alumna of New Jersey City University, um, which is a state university. I'm from North New Jersey. Um, and I am an alumna of the All Stars Project and a few of other uh, business organizations. And so I learned a lot um, about what it took to push a dream. Um, and so I think it's necessary to get your education. Um, you asked another question though, in the in the midst of that question. Oh, actually what school you went to and if you feel like education was uh, necessary? Um, I will say that I did not go to fashion school. Um, my grandmother is someone who's always sewn. Um, that's also generational, my great grandmother. Um, it didn't hit my mother, but it hit me. And so I've just always sewn my own clothes since I was maybe five. You know, I started hats. We have that and, in common. Yeah, that's great. My granny taught me when I was six. It skipped over my mama. My mother was never interested. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I've been sewing since I was six. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yep. So. I feel like I found a lot of people that had that. Like, their parents didn't necessarily get into it, but the grandkids. So, you know, like, I feel like probably I have, like, over 100 and 20 some episodes mm-hmm. I have a lot of people who were like granny taught me granny taught me mm-hmm. granny taught me and I find that we're all probably millennials so we're probably all in like our late 20s like early thir- well eight, late 20s all the way to 40s as millennials that's that era where like we spent a lot of time with our grandma mm-hmm. you know because mama worked a lot mm-hmm. and that's what we did mm-hmm. when we was with granny mm-hmm. granny was sewing you was sewing granny was crocheting you was crocheting <laughs> granny was knitting you mm-hmm. was knitting too <laughs> I'm like, because yeah. I'm definitely in crochet so many socks, girl. She used to have me right there. Like, I'm like, I don't want to do this. Oh, I don't <laughs> crochet. I don't think I, I've ever picked up that skill of knitting. But, um, you know, hand stitching, that's mm. my thing. 
That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the Shafani brand. How was it formed? I know it was formed back in 2009, but how did it, you know, how did it come about? How did it come together? Um, so it actually came together. I was an intern already at the time on Wall Street, and so I um, was going to school and doing that, and I was also styling as a hobby for some friends, um, personal shopping for people. Um, and then there was an untimely death of my uncle Jerry and he was an artist that nobody knew, you know, was into art. Um, and so I said, you know, I'm not going to live a life where nobody knows that I actually create, um, I'm not really fulfilling what I want to do. So from that point on, I started, you know, a business with Shifani and it started with fashion, tailoring, um, design, um, wardrobe, costuming. All of those things, theater production, um, it went to TV real fast um, because I was the assistant on a lot of projects. Um, and then it just kind of blossomed over the years. Gotcha. I mm-hmm. love that. What is your favorite part of the business? Because when you have a service-based business and you offer a lot of different services, it's, it's always that one that one service, like, I can do that all mm-hmm. day long. Mm-hmm. All day long. What's that? I would say all of the things that I specialize in because somebody had to actually say, you know, throughout me being or spending time in certain industries or rooms, they would say, oh, you do that too? You know, that's a job, right? And then somebody would actually have to tell me and I'd say, oh, that's a position? Okay, well, then I can do that too. And I've been doing it since I was five because I was in theater and dance and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, having experience and then also being amongst the people who were in it, Mm -hmm. you know, and getting that hands-on like education and experience um, real time gotcha mm-hmm. so i have like uh, one of the things i thought that we should cover that you also thought would be good for interviewing was to be you know all of the non-for-profit affiliates i work with and the fact that you're the youngest afro-latina so tell me about some of these non-for-profit sectors um so i'm the youngest afro-latina in the world to have done um the fashion weeks like all of them um i haven't hit milan though mm-hmm. um and I've done Art Basel, and all of these things have been like a thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's a feat in itself. And then as far as the organizations, so everything that I've learned in such a short span of time, I've only been um, around doing what I've wanted to do professionally for like 15 years. Okay. So people have been around for 30 years, you know? Right. People like Nisa Hilton, you know, um, The Goat, um, Ruth Carter, um, all these Bro, people. I love Ruth Carter. <laughs> yeah, right? I worked with Misa too. Yeah, tell yes, me I more. She's the same. Okay. So um, I, I feel like, do you know you? I do the podcast, but you know, I got four other businesses. Oh yeah, tell all me. in the fashion space. <laughs> oh, I was telling you enough me. about me. You don't know a lot. <laughs> so um, I own a company. It's called LC Apparel Consulting, and we do we offer full service manufacturing and product development for Black designers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's over in. I own a studio over in Bushwick. Now, Misa, I got in touch with Misa from, I think, somebody I interviewed on this podcast that was in her Stylist Academy mm-hmm. um, that ended up interning with her. Um, so, Misa had me make some pants for Megan Thee Stallion. Um, I also made a suit for uh, Arthur. So, I was her pattern maker to mm-hmm. her go-to, like, uh, for, for fast stuff. So, I was like, okay, no, Misa. Like, literally, like, when I tell you two, three-day turnarounds, I had, a, I had a job at that point. Like, I wasn't in full-time entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and, I, and I was a 
product development director at a lingerie company. And girl, it must have been slow because I was sitting at my desk making that pattern <laughs> for Megan Thee Stallion. They sent me, and it was, a, and she had did a partnership with MCM at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like MCM, you know, that leather, that stuff don't stretch. So I'm trying to figure out how to maneuver this pattern on my little small desk, and mm. it was a pair of chat pants, girl. Ooh, yeah, it was a chap and CM. And I it. literally, my desk wasn't probably no bigger than this table. Mm-hmm. And Misa had, well, I think I had like two days. Yeah, oh, then I had a suit that I had gorgeous. to do in almost like two days, like full on suit. Like, but yeah, she's she's dope. I'm gonna clap it up for you. Like, <laughs> 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 Takes one to know one. Definitely. Okay? Yeah. Um, so, uh, about the organization, so, mm-hmm. um, so I'm a community chair and partner. Um, at Artset Newark um, is an organization that's built on making sure the children in our communities thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really excited to be a part of that organization um, and, and be a part of their council. And um, the Jerry Gant Art Collection, um, or the Jerry Gant Times Pink Dragon Art Collection, um, Jerry Gant was the face of North Art, so mm-hmm. I'm the collection specialist there. I volunteer my time there. Um, he left over 4,000 plus pieces and shout out to Miss Linda Street because she's like the fashion fairy godmother of North. Um, that's period. crazy because that's what they call me here. Really? Yes. <laughs> they call that. me the fashion fairy godmother. Yes. I love that. We have a lot of them in, in the, the black fashion community. Yes, we do. Shout out to the Jerry Gant Art Estate, Kay the Creator, all the people over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are the organizations that I'm a part of and just happy to be giving back everything that I know and I've learned up until this point mm-hmm. back to the city. We should partner because I own a non-for-profit. It's called the Black Girls Designer Club. Tell me more. Yeah, and we have a, bra- a Shades of Brown fundraiser brunch coming up. It's February 26th. We have mm-hmm. our BGDC uh, fundraising gala. It's April the 16th. Mm-hmm. We do a fashion summer boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we raise the money to do the boot camp like, for That's the young beautiful. girls. And we offer a mentorship program year-round mm-hmm. for girls ages 6 to 22, and it's free. That's beautiful. And I'd we are been looking like, but we had a meeting last night. We've been looking for more mentors. Yeah, I'd love we to want more mentors. We have girls everywhere. They're not just in New York. We have people in Houston. We have people in Baltimore, mm-hmm. New York, like that. So it would be great to have a mentor that's based that. in Jersey because I have. We have a lot of mentees in Jersey as well. I so love that. That would be yeah. dope if you could. If you want to come on board, girl? We can use another hand. Yes, I'm right there in the bricks. <laughs> yeah, all right. We can definitely use some more mentors because I feel like. And since we're talking about that not-for-profit space, I think that it's harder to get people to stay committed mm-hmm. to it because it doesn't have a dollar sign attached mm-hmm. to it. And that's where I've found that that has been the hardest because it's like getting people to stay engaged. Like I feel like people come, you know, they come to our events, stuff like that. They'll donate and stuff like that. But as far as, like, we need your time when it comes to the kids, mm-hmm. like, in order to do it. So, like, we, like, our mentors, it's like four of us is actually active we stacked with kids mm, you know and wow. it's a lot you know and it could be overwhelming we wouldn't trade it for the world but it's like it's, it seems like it's some people they act like they want to be involved mm-hmm. but because there's no price point and there's no money coming from it they come and they, then they leave mm-hmm. or whatever. no they don't yeah. come at all or they, don't come. <laughs> <laughs> they say it they talk a good game and i'm like this is it's a not-for-profit yeah like it requires your time. It requires time to be put in it. That outreach should be there. So, you know, but that's what it's really about is, like, giving your time, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have um, an organization called Brick City Stitch. Um, I don't know the lady's name that runs the organization, but I've seen her stuff. Mm-hmm. So that would probably be the best way to partner in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of, um, you know, after-school organizations that have those types of things and then we also have North Public Library 
um, their maker space um, I do work out of you could always host a, you know a community day and say hey this is my organization my nonprofit we, we want to bring people in mm-hmm. you know that type of thing and they're open to community events so That's yeah nice very nice. tight-knit community very um, very open um, but you got to come with with what you can give you know because we have a lot of takers you know right yeah mm-hmm. i'm coming because we like raising money for like buying sewing machines we also offer like black girls designer club like sketchbooks for free like mm-hmm. the so we have like little trinkets but i'm like i want more for these girls mm-hmm. so i did an after school program last year for at-risk teens um oh, they were in high school and we did they made we made all their prom dresses Wow, yeah, that makes Thursday. me sing on the inside. Like that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, it was, it was. I loved it. I loved every piece of it. Wow. So I have a little sector called "It's um, a Success" or okay. "It's a Disaster." Okay. <laughs> so I want you to tell me about a time in your business and entrepreneurship where something went to shit, like it went to hell, but you learned something from the experience that made you, you know, change your operation or change something that you do in business, just made you a better business person, but it took you having to go through something to get to that space. Wow. Um, many, many, many things have happened on this road. Um, and also understanding hustlers acumen, because you you can understand business acumen. I went to school for business and mm-hmm. you know blah blah blah. But <laughs> hustlers acumen is a different. You you have to have a knowledge of some type of street smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember producing two gowns for someone on a VH1 show. I brought it to her stylist, even though I'm I'm wardrobe styling too. But I'm like, well, You're partnering at this I'm, point. I'm mm-hmm. like, here, take this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, up all night, system where ever, still waiting. And so I said, okay, this was the deal. I do this, and then you do this. What you must understand, blacks in fashion, is that <laughs> <laughs> one hand must wash the other. Um, and I think that it's necessary for us to understand that, like, re- re- reciprocation is necessary for us to be able to build. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But that was a disaster. Gotcha. Yeah. So moving forward, like, did it make you like adopt contracts, or did it make you like just maybe vetting who you work with more? Is that kind of like the lesson you learned from it? I am extremely, you know, I at this point. I refuse to work with certain, like, if you're on a certain network or, excuse me, if you're on a certain, um, just certain things, I just know more because you may have been burned too many times, even with certain labels, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's just making sure you have a lawyer because you can adopt your contracts and they can come with like a contract, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're like, I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. So make sure you have all that in place with your LLC. You know, they have really cheap packages for stuff like that. So don't go cheap for it though. No, don't go cheap yeah. for it. But <laughs> but if, if you if you ain't got it and you need some type of somebody to look over something, free consultation at your your okay. um, business development centers. Yeah. That type and of another thing. one is uh, I'm gonna plug J and J Legal. That's my. I got three lawyers because I don't fuck around. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm Good. like I because somebody always trying to hit. They try to hit me with lawsuits. I hit them right back, honey. Really? Oh yeah, four alone this year, last year now. Yeah, 
Never, mm-hmm. I've never lost one because I ain't never done nothing wrong. And my contracts are tight. That is every insane. single time. But you know, when you're making products for people and you're mm-hmm. manufacturing and you're working with designers, the creative eye, and I always tell this, I was aspiring and mm-hmm. like new designers, despite that. If you don't go to school and you don't know the process fully, I wouldn't fully invest thousands and thousands of dollars or something when you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in my business, that's what happens. I'm making patterns and samples and I'm manufacturing and I'm manufacturing based off of the design that you've given me. Mm-hmm. But you only seen it in this two-dimensional form in a sketch and then it comes to life and then you don't like it. Mm-hmm. And then, but you, it's your design. It's the fabrics you he chose. designed it. Right, I mean, it's the fabric. Not only is it the design, it's the fabrics you chose. It's the fit that you approved. It's all of these things. So mm-hmm. it's just like, what on earth? am I supposed to do am I you, I can't give you your money back because mm-hmm. I've already now made the pattern sewn mm-hmm. it together sourced mm-hmm. the fabric if you don't like it tell me what you don't like about it right how can we fix this and then yeah we can fix it but if you decide to change the design and change the fabric I gotta start over mm-hmm. now you gotta pay again and that's what the issue is <laughs> they think that because they don't like it <laughs> I'm supposed to do it over for free. For free. And that's where the conflict is. And, I'm, oh. and I've had that situation happen multiple times. And then, then like, oh, it don't look like what I thought it was going to look like. Well, I was like, but it's all you. All I did was execute. Free. I mean. She said free. <laughs> <laughs> but all the labor was done. All the work was done and the mm-hmm. whole thing. But that's the conflict that I felt like I constantly was running into. And then they would have some lawyer telling them that they had a case and they never did. She did what she was supposed to do. She approved, you approved every part of this process. Mm-hmm. Like it says in the beginning, no refunds because we're, we're providing a service. So mm-hmm. my contracts have been tight. So you can't, yeah. And I've had wow. people try to sue me in Jersey when they did their business in New York. So now my my, my Jersey lawyer has to motion to dismiss over there mm-hmm. to come over here with it. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like legalities too mm-hmm. because people think they can sue you in like their states or they'll come after you with these lengthy contracts. And they never have contracts. That's why I always make sure I'm good. So. That's my biggest piece of advice, especially service-based businesses. Mm-hmm. Products, you know, y'all can just, you know, return it, exchange it. Service-based, when you're spending your time and you're doing something, mm-hmm. make sure your contracts is tight. Stylist, production, anything on mm-hmm. that end, protect yourself. Protect your neck. Yep, protect <laughs> your neck. Protect yes. your neck, okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree with everything she just said. <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't get caught out here. Don't get caught out here because mm-hmm. it is. It can be very very challenging. So can you tell me about a time just like in um, Shafani? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm saying it right, Shafani. 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 Yes. Yeah. So I'm like I'm like because uh, I know you had you told me so then I had now I feel like I'm saying uh, shipping it because like, I never thought of that. No. So now it's like now it's in my <laughs> head. So it's okay. So tell me about I guess your favorite project with Shafani. Like so far something that you worked on is like really makes you proud and really just like yo I did that. Um. I've styled for the Grammys. I've had people wear me to the NAACP's. The Los Angeles Times was a big one. I had the Sunday fashion cover. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the client, I didn't know was going to give it to that client, but they wore my pants, and that was a big deal because it was right after a fashion show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest success to date, um, I had done campaigns, and, you know, thank God, right? But... Recently, um, shout out to Palette Group, shout out to Zay, um, who put me on the project. He was a producer. We had a North Public Schools campaign, and um, it was like a back-to-school rev it up. Um, shout out to uh, Produced by Rock, um, one of my favorite producers in the whole wide world, who uh, created this whole anthem for North Public Schools. And it really like fired everybody up, and it 
it made people excited to be going back to school after COVID, after all these things, all these changes that had happened in the city. Mm -hmm. And I was just really happy to be a part of that by being a wardrobe stylist on it. I worked with different children from some of the 65 um, schools in North Public School District. So having somebody call me from home, it took the cake. Like, oh, I've been to LA, I've been to Paris. No, you call me from, from home? Okay. Mm-hmm. And for this, something that's going to stand the test of time because I'm sure they're going to play it over and over. It's just the anthem. Right. You know? That's what's up. Congratulations mm-hmm. on Thank that. you. That's Thank what's you. up. Yeah. Like, that's like a big deal. I love not hearing pages accolades. <clears throat> One more thing, though. Yeah. I did have, like, I've talking about the children because I just love, like, just what they're going to be, like, mm-hmm. if you pour into them. Um, I forgot about myself and my art. Mm-hmm. Um, Homage to Mama was a short film that got into a bunch of film festivals, um, and it was a protest film that I created with Kay the Creator um, in 2020, where I climbed 30 feet in the air on um, a, and sat on a Columbus statue um, there in the city of North that since has been torn down, where they're going to replace it with a Harriet Tubman memorial. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, it's Harriet Tubman Christopher Square. Columbus, that's what it was? Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. So I sat on top of this this plinth um, because they had actually removed the statue to protect it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people protested the change. They didn't want it to be renamed from Washington Square Park. And I said, you know what? I'm going to reclaim the black woman's time because at the end of the day, mitochondrially, everyone comes from a black woman. Um and so took that and it ended up in the North Museum. So that was a really, really big deal because that was my art in purest form um, as an offering really to the ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a place where they sold slaves, enslaved yeah. people, right. um, where Washington Square Park was. Um, so now it's Harriet Tubman Square. Come on, Harriet Tubman mm-hmm. Park, as it should be. I'm here for it. Anything yes. with Harriet Tubman on there, Sojourner Truth, Madam C.J. Walker, Barry McLeod, Bethune, mm-hmm. give it to me, baby, all day. Mm-hmm. Rosa Parks, all of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like a big black history book, especially black women. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We make Even Aaliyah move. Walker. Like, mm. Aaliyah Walker was Madam C.J. Walker's um, daughter. Mm-hmm. She had, because, you know, they was like the first black millionaires and stuff like that, she had this big house that you know, Mary McLeod, the, the uh, Madam C.J. Walker left her mm-hmm. and she didn't have any time but she had money mm-hmm. so it was called the Black Tower and mm-hmm. it was up in Harlem and that's where Langston Hughes, yep. Zora Neale Hurston, um, Louis, Louis Armstrong, yep. like that's where they got like they first start at the Black Tower so it was really dope. That's like, very true. She, and she I learned that in fun. a black art class. Did you? Yeah. When it was going, because the class was, one of the classes I took in in college was Harlem 1920s Black Art and Literature, Mm -hmm. and then I had an African-American art class, and that's where I learned a lot about Aaliyah Walker. Lovely. Yeah. I I studied a lot of um, Harlem's history for my 2016 show. Mm -hmm. Um, I decided not to do it in the area of New York Fashion Week, Mm -hmm. the shows. I decided to take it to Harlem because that's the area of the renaissance you know and so i had to study sugar hill heavily Mm -hmm. and that's where i had the show so it's it's wonderful to know that like harlem and newark has such a beautiful connection as far as history and music Mm -hmm. um jazz hip-hop like it's just a crazy connection Mm -hmm. so you are you familiar with harlem fashion week and harlem fashion world yes i am familiar um shout out to harlem fashion ladies of um, harlem fashion week Mm -hmm. um I was able to exhibit um, my 
uh, calf mono in uh, one of their exhibitions. That was last year. That was last year. Oh, I was there. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm like me and Yvonne and Tondra. I, I teach at their uh, Harlem Fashion Week camps and stuff. Oh, but then beautiful. I do a lot of like I've done like at least like four of their panels or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I was there. It was right next to uh, Ponce Bistro in the gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was late as hell, but I was there. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful. Other a bunch of other black designers. I was the girl with the the bird. Um, I call it a calf mono because it's not quite a kimono and it's not quite a calf. I remember kid. that, and, and I remember, cause I remember when I came in. Jerry Reese was like right in the front. Then Timothy Nash was always was also in that one. Yes, I remember. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nice. So I've, I've seen your work in oh, person. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I'm like I've seen your work in person. Thank you so much. I so, love that piece. One of my favorite pieces called Blackbird. Blackbird. Yes, mm-hmm. I do. And I remember that one specifically. Oh, oh beautiful. Yes, yes. Oh, I was only sixty out in there. I think like it wasn't like like a lot. It but was, it was like, drama, right? Yeah, drama. yeah. But I remember I saw everybody's, and I'm mm-hmm. like that. And it, was you in the in the light in the left hand corner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Like, yeah. Oh wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm like that piece. <laughs> that piece is. I took my team. Oh. Me and all my employees. I we took them all up there, and they all came to the oh, gallery. So yeah. We was coming from Brooklyn, and it took us a minute to get up there. It was six of us, and yeah, we came. Thank so. you for attending. That's beautiful. But shout out to Harlem Fashion Week. Shout out to Harlem Fashion Row. I love all the work that they're doing. I can't wait to um, one day partner uh, with that organization in some type of way. Brandis and stuff. Brandis is that's the how I got to hook up with Nisa too, though, mm-hmm. because I used to do a lot of stuff with Brandis as well. Both of them. Uh, and yeah. they are lovely people when you meet them at mm-hmm. talks, and you know they they always want to help, and I, I think that's beautiful. So mm-hmm. Brandis yeah. gave me one of my. She was it was crazy. Brandis told me. She's like, girl, you sitting on the gold mine. You're going to quit your job in like six months. Oh, bless like, her. Yeah, and I was like, girl, no, I ain't. <laughs> at the time, I didn't see life. it. At the time, I didn't see it. And I think I was gung-ho on like being a designer. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you don't even like it that much. You like to teach. And I'm like, like low-key, you right. Mm-hmm. Like, I do. I love to teach. I love to teach sewing and pattern making and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I'm like, me designing? And I, it's crazy because I just dropped the coat collection now. <laughs> oh, did you? I just dropped the coat collection. It literally Gotta came out on me. Monday. I, I definitely so will. Perfect. So I just want to end out with some of like the current fashion events. If you have any that you're aware of, definitely throw them out. Um, one of the, well, actually, I got a, a couple of them. <laughs> so, of course, LC Apparel Consulting is having a uh, designer technical tour. We're going to 10 different cities, and we'll be teaching garment construction, fabric knowledge, um, fashion history, fitting, and we're kicking off on February 4th in L.A. Then we're hitting Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, Miami, Charlotte, D.C., Baltimore, Chicago, and Philadelphia. Second one um, that I must mention is the LC Designer Retreat. Now, the Designer Retreat is going to be lit. That is the third year anniversary of LC Apparel Consulting. April is also Black Fashion Month. So we're going to take a break from all of our designing and stuff like that. We're going to focus on meditation. God, we're going to be doing a guided meditation. We're going to be doing massages, facials, yoga. So it's a three-day event. Friday, we're going to start off with some sensual, sexy dance classes mm-hmm. and a happy hour and networking event. Saturday is going to be a full day of relaxation. And then, of course, Sunday is going to be a farewell brunch and another networking event. So hope to see you guys there. And last but not least, the LC 2023 Sewing, Pattern Making, and Draping Courses kicks off February the 2nd. So that is time for you to come with your projects. Um, come with whatever you want to work on, whatever you want to learn. It is a free-for-all class, so you legit can come like, hey, I want to make this jacket, and we're going to make it. Or I want to make this pant, and we're going to teach you how to make it. So uh, we believe in customized, catered education and actually learning the things that you want to learn, how you want to learn on your own time. And, of course, we will be sipping and sewing the entire time. 
<laughs> yes to the sipping. Yes to the sipping. So, um, do you have any events coming or any ones you want to recommend? Yes, I do. I have an event coming up at North Public Library. You can visit npl.org um, to find out about the Black in Fashion Sewn in Excellence event. Okay. Um, we will have um, a full fashion exhibition from some of the top designers in Newark. Um, or Nook, <laughs> that's how you say it. Um, and we will also be highlighting um, all the blacks in fashion in our city. Um, we'll have, you know, a reception. It'll be sexy. Um, come take pictures. Yes. I'll send you an invite. Come, yeah. This is going to be great. And we will have a special featured guest for our panel. Um, it will most likely be moderated by purple um so if anybody knows about purple in the city of newark she's a hip-hop educator so we're putting all that together and we're also commemorating um hip-hop's uh 50th anniversary um whilst doing so so come on out and uh that's what i got for now yes love that i did want to answer i saw that you had questions in here um what inspired your role of accountability for our narrative as blacks in fashion Mm mm-hmm what inspired my like break it down for me because I was looking I'm like what do you mean so inspired a role of accountability so this is definitely a role of accountability um for our community our people um you are archiving your voice not only your voice but the things that black people in fashion are doing Mm. um so you are very accountable, you know, um, right. in that regard. And I wanted to know what inspired you wanting to do this podcast and state random black facts and, you know, uplift uh, black business. Oh, inspiration. Girl, honestly, I, I you know what? I know exactly what it is. It's funny. I'm from Chicago. Mm-hmm. I've been in New York for almost 10 years. I came from a, a very, very black culture. Chicago's mass segregated. Black people live on one side of town, white mm-hmm. people live on the other side. So I've always been like black power, you know. I learned a lot about African-American history and black history and stuff like that all the way through elementary school, all the way up into college. Mm-hmm. And it's just always been something that's just like so prominent to me. It's just like black culture, mm-hmm. black business, you know. I am one of the first business owners in my family, first to get bachelor's and master's as that's well, um, you know. But I think it's because I'm a, I was a young black designer. I was also a young black entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was in eighth grade. Girl, I, had, I made pillows. <laughs> I love it. Okay? <laughs> so I think that I always saw the value of being a black entrepreneur and being a black creative. And mm-hmm. I find that I worked in the industry for multiple years at different companies, and I was mostly the only black girl. Mm-hmm. Every position. And then when I started getting hierarchy on that scale, and I started getting into manager positions and director, I was the director of production in my last job. Very now we is like I'm only it was at first it was like at least three black girls yes. now it's none mm-hmm. and now you're over teams where that you're the only black woman and then you get you know called off to be the aggressive black manager mm-hmm. that's and only because you're doing your job you know mm-hmm. inserting yourself mm-hmm. so I think that I just wanted to put it out there and educate and what happened was that I have a bachelor's and a master's and I have all this experience and I couldn't get a job at FIT mm-hmm. Parsons nowhere mm-hmm. and I wanted to teach so bad I was like you know what. Can't nobody stop me from teaching. Mm-hmm. Let me just start my own podcast. And I think it came across my timeline. And I was just like, I'm going to start a podcast about black being black in fashion. Mm-hmm. And like what it's like working in the industry and ways to maneuver to excel your career. Mm-hmm. But also ways of entrepreneurship because I was right in that in-between place. 
I've gotten really high in my career and I'm educated, but I'm also self-taught because I, I got taught by granny too. So mm-hmm. I'm self-taught and I have an education. Mm-hmm. I work corporate, but I also am an entrepreneur. So I feel like I had like the best of both worlds yeah. and I just wanted to share that. And I wanted to do it in the classroom, of course. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't because I just feel like well, nobody would give me a chance um, to do it. So I'm like, I'm going to do it on my own. I and then that. from the podcast, well, I had already started LC Apparel Consulting. I started with like three or four clients. And then in 2020, mm-hmm. I had 250 clients. I had a commercial space. I have 12 employees. That's and it just started so booming. Beautiful. And all we were attracting were black designers. So mm-hmm. we're making products for all these designers. And it was just always a thing. I only eat at black-owned restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like, I shop black designers. Um, and I mostly watch black movies. Like, everything I do is in that space. Mm-hmm. So I think it just comes from my roots. And it also just comes from me seeing less and less opportunities for my people and Mm -hmm. wanted to present those. Wanted to give them that platform, give them that voice and not for profit so I can take that youth and get them to where I wanted to be when I was their age. LC is for the adults that are coming back and learning and Mm -hmm. things that they were skipped over or they, you know, their parents told them that the creative business wasn't enough for them and they wasn't going to get, you know, make enough money. So I wanted to be able to meet a designer wherever they were. Mm. Whether it's, I just want to learn, you can mm-hmm. listen to this podcast for free. If you want to learn hands-on, you can come to the studio. Mm-hmm. If you want me to do services, I can do that. So I wanted to be able to meet people in any area they were in. Mm-hmm. Kid, adult, it didn't matter. Man, woman, just That's hella beautiful. black. Yeah, no. <laughs> hella black. That. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that, that we are the center of the narrative because so many times you can um, be caught up in wanting to um, amalgamate Mm-hmm. and you know be yourself so I appreciate that yeah. Thank and, that, you. and that was another thing in the workplace in the corporate I found that I was able to be myself but I, it was Sean because I'm who I am in my interview is the same person I am when I'm on the job mm-hmm. and I, I had a few companies where I was able to insert that in the interview mm-hmm. and they accepted me for who I was and then I had ones that didn't you know mm-hmm. so I'm like I don't convert the person you get in your interview is the same person you're going to get over here so hiring me and putting me in a high position is not going to turn off my blackness. And I think one time I had on a necklace, and this is when I was working in retail, and I knew it was over at that point. Mm-hmm. She told me that my necklace was too ethnic. You know, I've, I've had those experiences, but I've always been someone that's always been very outspoken in regards to how I'm made to feel mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's always necessary that you know how you make me feel. Um, and so... You know, I left corporate um, a long time ago just for me to still be dealing in corporate environment, mm-hmm. but this time not as their employee, as an employee of my own company. So, um, you know, it feels different. The, right. It's a powerful thing that comes with you. It's a power thing that comes with you because now the table that you are sitting at, you built yourself, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's a struggle mm-hmm. though. My whole staff is black, and I make sure I keep it that way, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I like it that way. Like, making sure I'm constantly giving those opportunities and internships and stuff like that when I can. Mm-hmm. Now, another one of your question was, uh, <laughs> what struggles I presented being a black podcast on a black person in this very male-dominant, di- male Eurocentric industry? Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to say, and I, I mean, it's under I it's it. under here, but I, I wear a chain that says relentless mm-hmm. um, and consistency. Mm-hmm. Like, whether I had two views or I got a thousand views, I never stopped my podcast. I've been doing this for four years so I'm at beautiful. 130 episodes. And 
it's it's grown really well and I've you know been able to obtain sponsors and I also do events I do Black Ass Friday so you go shop black on Black Friday so oh. I do a pop up mm-hmm. um, and that's for not just black and fashion but just black business owners mm-hmm. I do what I do to is a podcast to not only hear their voice but be a, a part like be in the movement mm-hmm. so I have like a black designer directory on our website mm-hmm. we have like black designer closet sales and stuff like that we do black ass curate black pop ups and stuff mm-hmm. like that so I think that having a podcast is great you know and being able to get it out there but actually putting your money where your mouth is kind of thing mm-hmm. like like or like mm-hmm. actually whether it's practicing what you preach creating that platform and creating those opportunities across the board along with you know having the podcast so I appreciate that mm-hmm. yeah I mean I, I'm loving everything I'm hearing so that's these are these are beautiful answers and I appreciate um who you are and who you will become um to the culture I'm trying. I'm trying to be a. I'm trying to be an icon. Yeah. No. Go London. for it. Yeah. I'm going. I'm Why going not? for legendary. I just want to be legendary. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> so on that note, uh, do you just want to drop all your social handles so they know how to find you, how to get in contact with you, uh, how to work with you? Right. So go ahead and visit shafani.com. That's C H I F F A N I. dot com, or you can check me out at instagram at tiff underscore styles underscore the letter u the number two and hit me there shifani brands um on everything so yep and of course i'll put all of her information in the show notes as well so that way you guys can just click right there so as i always say people stay black peace out and thanks for joining us